Hello, I'm Simon Lebon, and you are listening to the Pantheon Network. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 6, Episode 6 of Music Is Not a Genre, MXG. I've, you know, I should bring my hands in front of the microphone if I'm going to do these gestures for you to see them, or maybe above my, ooh, how about above my head, MXG, there you go. You don't need to see my face so much, which by the way, if you are just listening, thank you. If you're watching, you already know, and if not, go to youtube.com slash at music is not a genre, you get to see all of these episodes on video. Getting right into the topic, as usual here for Season 6. Six, and that is Depeche Mode and New Order, the flip side twins of New Wave. So I debated on whether or not to do these bands separately, and then I said no. But first of all, let me get into why th- th- these two bands at all. Well, they're legendary. They've influenced a ton of bands. I was a DJ for a while, and they played a big part in our DJ sets, my partner and I. Uh, their production values have influenced so many bands and genres, uh, you know, throughout uh, subsequently. Their mix of techno music, of electronic music with rock has always been something that has compelled me. If you remember back in uh, episode four, which I didn't record the exact same day as episode six. No, no. I was talking about an electro power pop band. All of that stuff really comes from bands like Depeche Mode and New Order, who in some way incorporated both organic and electronic instruments. And so... Uh, I mean, that's the idea of combining genres to create something new, whether it's your own sound or a completely new genre, has always compelled me. There was a friend of mine in high school, the first time I ever remember somebody using kind of a mix of genre names, she described a flock of seagulls (coughs) as techno pop rock. And I thought, wow, I agree with that. It's compelling and couldn't completely understand why at the time. And I think that helped kind of spur my interest in uh, combinations of genres and how genre lines blur and all of that. And I think the same could be said for Depeche Mode and Order. Now, why together? Why didn't I split them up when they both deserve multiple episodes you know, per band? Because they're often lumped together. They're often mentioned together, often pitted against each other. They're compared and contrasted. They came up around the same time, even though they started in different ways. They started around the, the, the same time too, even in the, in the like mid late seventies, they ended up in places that are similar in terms of their combination of again, rock music, dance, dance rock music is what a lot of people would call it, but new wave techno house, what, whatever, both British bands, even to this day, there are forums where people are comparing and contrasting Depeche Mode and New Order and debating on who was better and which albums were great and who was more influential and all of that stuff, which are questions I'm going to ask you later too. They've both been huge influences on all of techno and electronic music. And the reason I said Flipside Twins, right? And I'm taking a drink of seltzer here. Not the greatest choice of beverage when you're doing audio and you're talking, but I'm taking that chance because I'm a rebel. All right, listen to me drink. Mm-hmm. Gulp. And this is the throughout history, bands and artists have been pitted against each other. If you think of the Beatles and the Stones, I'm sure there was somebody, Frank Sinatra was pitted against, or Elvis. 
but even before then, Billy Joel and Elton John, Prince and Michael Jackson, Nirvana and Pearl Jam, Tupac and Biggie, The Strokes and the White Stripes, uh, Britney and Christina, uh, Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. I mean, it goes on and on to this day where it's often false. And I did an episode of that way back on rivalry, rivalries and how they are usually bogus. They're usually not uh, uh, between the actual artists. Sometimes they are. But like in a perfect example of like the Beatles and the Stones, they were friends, you know, like the only people who pitted them against each other were like critics and some fans and that's it. But the same has happened with Depeche Mode. And that's why I kind of said that, you know, uh, uh, flip side twins. And so how I'm doing this episode, uh, it's kind of a usual thing. I'm going to do a history of each band separately, starting with New Order because they started slightly before uh, Depeche Mode. And then I'm going to do a discography, but doing it together as each album came out from each band. Then I'm going to get into the conclusions, the featured song, bonus episode, which this week the bonus episode is on Vince Clark and how prolific he's been and how influential he himself has been. And I'll tell more, talk more about that a little bit later, but to see the whole thing, patreon.com slash music is not a genre is where you're going to get the bonus episode for every single main episode of Music Is Not A Genre. And then, of course, featured song, but special, special here, there are going to be two featured songs. There are two bands, and even though uh, the elect- the electro power pop or whatever you want to call it, dance rock of what I've done, incorporates elements of both bands, these two songs illustrate the sort of uh, yin and yang and hot and cold and whatever you want to call it, techno and house sides of Depeche Mode and New Order. And for the first time ever... One of the featured songs is going to be smack in the middle of the episode. Because now that we're taking breaks, instead of going straight to a commercial, I'm going to go straight to that song. And then to the commercial. And then to the second half. And then to another song. That's how that's going to go. So now you know what to expect. History. Let's start. Like when I talked about Beck and how Beck and I have converged and diverged and have ended up at times in the same place we, although we started from different places, we ended up incorporating a lot of similar influences and elements. The same can be said of New Order and, uh, I was going to say Joy Division, ha, New Order and Depeche Mode, in that they ended up in similar places even though they started from different emphases, let's say. So New Order, of course, sprung from the ashes of Joy Division, which started in 1976. I did a season one episode on uh, New Order coming from Joy Division. Uh, They were pure post-punk with some electro that would, you know, eventually morph more heavily in the electro direction once Ian Curtis died and they reformed and became uh, New Order in uh, 2001. I mean, 2001, great. In 1981, uh, you have Bernard Sumner, who is the primary vocalist. He does guitars, he keys. Peter Hook, who was the bass player for them for the longest time. Uh, they were both in Joy Division as well. He, he stayed until 2007. Uh, Stephen Morris, also from the original band, uh, do, does drums and keys. And then Jillian Gilbert, who was brought on after uh, the death of Ian Curtis and who has been with them off and on ever since. Uh, just like the Wombats in in the sense that every single member played their instrument but also played keys, which I think was interesting. Uh, it's, it's more common than you might think. And New Order transitioned from mostly kind of dark post-punk to a darker, lighter, and brighter electro house 
right on the first two albums, you can hear that transition. It was kind of like getting over the depression of, of a big death, you know, as well as you coming out of the shadow that he cast and that Joy Division cast stylistically. And that, of course, emerged biggest with uh, their their first early hit, Blue Monday, in 1983, followed by Bizarre Love Triangle in 1986, which is where I came in to New Order. And we'll talk about that in the discography. Uh, and then right, One, Two, Punch, True Faith in 1987, which is, I think, I even like even more. Their kind of first run would peter out with Technique in 1989, the album. And then they come back big in 1993 with uh, the album Republic and their song Regret. Again, we'll go over a lot of this in the discography. I jumped back on to New Order in 93 and have stayed with them for the duration as off and on as they've been. They were, of course, dance club staples throughout the 1980s and beyond. Uh, After that 93 album, they took a hiatus until 2001's Get Ready. Uh, You'll see those two albums on my diorama there for people who aren't watching i've got three of each uh, album i've uh, three albums from each band uh, on my little display here uh and that album to me reinvigorated them and it's one of my favorites i'll talk about it later 2005 was the first uh, album without peter hook and jillian uh, gilbert but with phil cunningham uh, and another hiatus after that. Boy, the hiatus this is, is. And then the next proper album really didn't come out uh, until 2015, so like 10 year, 10 year break there. And then that saw the return of Jillian Gilbert as well. Uh, New Order's always been, I think, more house and Depeche Mode more techno, where house kind of has that co- sort of like constant state of being feeling when you think kind of a rave where you're just there and you're experiencing the motion and the beat and the and the overall feel and sound and techno is has more very like variation within it more tension and release it has a different purpose to it It, it's it has more kind of um you know spark energy and things like when you think of um you know, even newer DJs and, you know, dubstep and things like that, that comes more from the techno end than the house end. And, you know, ambient comes more from house than from techno, which leads me to Depeche Mode. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon.
Depeche Mode's germs started the year after Joy Division in 1977 uh, by Vince Clark and Andy Fletcher with a, a, a band they turned, named No Romance in China. And uh, Andy Fletcher, who, uh, you know, yes, we know, recently died. Uh, and right before uh, their Depeche Mode's new album came out in 1980, they regrouped as the band Composition of Sound which Dave Gahan has uh, often, you know, made fun of that uh, name, but I think it's kind of neat. Martin Gore came on that year, and then Dave Gahan came on uh, shortly after, and they renamed themselves Depeche Mode. Was it after a French magazine or something? I don't know, whatever. Uh, Their first full album in 1981 was Speak and Spell, and was heavily Vince Clark. And again, bonus episode on Vince Clark, and you'll see why that's significant. You'd hear elements of what Vince Clark would go on to create after he left Depeche Mode. Uh, early 80s again just like New Order transitional regarding their sound they went from this kind of really bright electro pop to a much darker sound uh, you know slowly but surely over the first the three albums let's say uh, that they'd be known for that darker sound later on uh, Alan Wilder came on board and uh, in the mid 80s I believe or early 80s and uh, stayed until the mid 1990s uh, they started to veer more towards political and social lyrics in the eighties, uh, as opposed to new orders, mostly interpersonal lyrics. I don't know if, I don't know how much, uh, you know, politics new orders ever gotten into the true breakout year for, uh, Depeche mode, uh, just like new order was 1983. If you don't count, just can't get enough because it's a, such a different style. But that, I mean, it counts in a, in a way, of course. It's a great song and we do it live and I love singing it. Uh, and that's because Construction Time Again had to hit Everything Counts in large amounts. Same year as Blue Monday, like I said. But their U.S. breakout was in 84 with the song People Are People. And that's the first time I remember hearing them from some great reward. Uh, it was on a, a title track, a U.S. compilation, though, before before then, the, the, the U.S. release. Uh, I Look, side note, and I think this is a comment more on the 1980s and styles and the fact that uh, gender fluidity and, and gender bending and, and, and you know, a, ambiguity, let's say, has been around longer than we realize. When I was young, I always thought that Depeche Mode, that they were all gay. Um, and they have a huge gay following, as do a lot of uh, Vince Clark's subsequent bands. And, and it, you know, it turns out I didn't learn until very recently that none of them are. Um, in fact, in this whole world of music, I think only Andy Bell himself is, is gay. But again, huge following. More for Depeche Mode than New Order, but really for both. And it, it just shows that, that that use of like kind of post glam with makeup, but even things that Prince was doing and just the gender bending was, was I think an important part of what Depeche Mode was doing and the image that they would uh, show for years. 83, 84 would start a run from then that continued through to 1993 songs of faith and devotion, which was the same year as the uh, final chart breath of new order 1993 with Republic. And the same year I came back in Depeche Mode and never left. Uh, after they lost Alan Wilder in 87, they kind of started a little bit of a slide, but as far as artistically, they would kind of come up and down and have done throughout these years, including this year's, uh, recent album, Memento Mori, which was the first album without the late Andy Fletcher. So that's a quick history of those bands. Let's get into the discographies. Now, listen, 
New Order has 10 proper albums and Depeche Mode 15. <clears throat> I'm not going into super detail on any of them because I don't want this episode to be freaking long. It will be long, but not freaking long. I will jump between the two, as I said, based on when the albums came out. I'm not going to focus on uh, solo efforts like Dave Gann's um, 2007 album or offshoots of bands like when Bernard Sumner has uh, partnered with Johnny Marr to create Electronic, the band, or uh, Vince Clark and Martin Gore getting uh, back together for VCMG. Just mention those, look them up, fine. That's not what we're talking about here. So let's get into it right away. The first of these bands to release an album was Depeche Mode, and it was Speak and Spell in October 1981. Again, Vince, Vince Clark Fest, pure synth pop with like barely a hint of darkness. Barely. Hardly any. Just Can't Get Enough was the big hit. Like I said, we do this live. It goes over well. In November 81, Movement from New Order came out. It was their statement of we're continuing on despite Ian Curtis's death. You can hear glimpses of the future, but it still sounds a whole hell of a lot like what you would imagine Doy Division would have done had Ian Curtis survived. Still very dark, very little electro. It's very just post-punk, ambient post-punk, dark, dark. Dreams Never End, great song. Uh, wasn't a well-received album, but so what? A Broken Frame was uh, the next Depeche Mode album in 1982, which was a cool, tra- starting the transition into darker sounds. Still a lot of brightness there. It's a super transitional album, and I love it for that. Doesn't make it the strongest album, but I love it. Uh, Leave in Silence is a song I like from that. Power, Corruption, and Lies from May 1983 is New Order's uh, really kind of coming out album. And I have looked up rankings of the albums of both Depeche Mode and New Order, and I usually disagree with most rankings because they tend to discount later works uh, in a way that's very subjective and other reasons. But one thing that mm, I think all rankings for New Order agreed on was that Power, Corruption, and Lies was their best album. And I would put it in top three, you know, for sure. Uh, Age of Consent, the song immediately breaks them out of that darkness and starts to establish that new sound. It has still has that great toe in post-punk, but it's brighter and dancier. Leave Me Alone is their new sound. And it's to me how Bernard Sumner's voice would sound for years and years, basically. We'll talk about his voice later. Uh, Blue Monday was technically not on this album, but came out around the same time. And it still stands as the best-selling 12-inch single of all time. It was huge in our DJ set even though we were DJing a couple years after it came out. So that was uh, in, like I said, May 83. In August 83, Depeche Mode put out construction time again, even darker than a broken frame, but still not quite as assured and as dark as they would get. It's not, it's not quite their breakout yet, the way Power Corruption Lies was New Order's breakout. Uh, Dave Gaines still hadn't found his voice, but he was getting closer. Everything Counts is a perfect example of, of them starting to find their sound, and it's an awesome song. That production sound, like Blue Monday, is iconic and has influenced so many other songs and artists throughout the decades. They followed it up in 1984, Depeche Mode, with some great reward which to me was their first This Is Us as Depeche Mode album, where they really sounded like the, 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 the Depeche Mode that we know. It was also their breakout in the United States with People Are People, uh, Master and Servant, Blasphemous Rumors. 
There are two other songs in this album that were very important to me. That I like "Somebody," which is a very soft song that I feel is the companion to New Order's "Every Little Counts," which is coming up soon. And I had them on a mix at some point, a cassette mix. It's it's just this kind of little kind of dark, uh, slightly melancholy love song. Somebody, and if you want to, is a great dark techno song. Uh, and it was also on a mix. Uh, so two songs that aren't usually talked about from that album, you should check out. <clears throat> Next year, New Order released Low Life uh, in 85. It's the first album to me where they are 100% now New Order. You know, yes, Power, Corruption, and Lies killed, and it was their breakout album, but it's, but they still had some elements of that Joy Division sound, and, new, and this was like, now we're New Order, now we know what that means. It's electro dance rock, whatever you want to call it. The songs, uh, uh, Love Vigilantes, Frick, man. And I and I will say this about Low Life, and it was a surprise to me. It may be my favorite album listening experience by New Order. It's definitely in the top three. Uh, I would, for me, I enjoy it even more than Power, Corruption, and Lies. They're fully self-assured. I love the production. Sooner Than You Think, another, another uh, song, that I like at all, but also to me, I've always wondered this and I don't know how you feel about it. There's no comparison between Dave Gain and uh, Bernard Sumner's voices. They sing differently. So you, they're apples and oranges. And at the same time, what they're doing, I feel like that's a perfect example of how the different types of electronic music function because there's certain types of music where the booming voice and the you know rounded tone and, and let's say uh, well-crafted notes are important in that dance music and others where hanging back and being kind of casual and off the cuff is more important. And Bernard Sumner has spent most of his career singing in a very casual, off-the-cuff way, and I'll just put it that way. Uh, now, I'm going to mention this because I own it. Catching up with Depeche Mode in 1985, here it is on the diorama, is important because it, a, it marked the end of their first phase, that transitional phase into who they became, uh, an illustration of their evolution, and it was a great collection to start with if you didn't know them before then, which is one of the reasons I got it, although I had, I actually I got it subsequent. And yes, did want to explore their work prior to when I knew them. And that's one of the reasons I got it. Like I said, followed that up in March of 86 with Black Celebration, which again, just like the title, deeper into darkness, deeper into industrial. They are fully Depeche mode on this. The songs, A Question of Lust, A Question of Time and Stripped stand out to me. And then you have... September 1986, shortly after, New Order's Brotherhood, which was their true U.S. breakthrough. Blue Monday was a big hit, but really the biggest hit for them in the U.S., uh, the breakout hit was Bizarre Love Triangle, and that's where I jumped in. And that was a huge, huge 12-inch for us in our DJ sets. And this is the album that also included Every Little Counts. I did an acoustic cover of that, which you can find at youtube.com slash app music is not a a genre. And it's just one of my personal favorites. I like how, again, it's sort of this off the cuff, like love song, brighter than somebody by Depeche Mode, but has still has a little melancholy in it. And then the way it ends is just epic and beautiful. And you can hear it influencing, you know, like the Verve and Oasis and other British bands that came after 
that. Uh, Substance was released by them in August 1987. It's not a proper album, but it's significant because it's just like catching up with Depeche Mode in the sense of uh, it, it compiled some singles and things, but also because it marks the release of the song True Faith, which to me is the last of their classic era singles. And I think, I personally like it better than Bizarre Love Triangle and Blue Monday. I don't know why. I know it was a part of our mix and our set, and I have that 12-inch as well, but I'm going to mark that as saying I actually like it better, right? Uh, I'm going to do two more albums, and we're taking a break. Uh, Music for the Masses in September 1987, so the month after Substance came out. This is the Depeche Mode album, super freaking solid and consistent I think this is my favorite early album of theirs, Music for the Masses. I love, 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 love the production on this one. Never Let Me Down Again, Strange Love, and Little 15 are my favorites from the album. Uh, Which brings me to the last release uh, from these bands in the 1980s, which was 1989's Technique. It's the danciest of all of their early albums. Uh, I like the production on this too. I don't think it's as dancey as some critics said it was at the time. What I mean is I don't think it's any more that much more dancey than any of their previous, you know, releases from the couple of years before then. But uh, I believe Peter Hook, you know, described it as their Ibiza record or whatever it is. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, my favorites from this, I didn't absorb this then. I was past New Order at the time and then came back in, like I said, in 93. So I missed it. But listening to it recently, I like All the Way. Sounds like a Just Like Heaven song. Love Less, Guilty Partner, and Dream Attack. And with that... Something fancy and new. We're going to take a break and jump right into one of my featured songs. And that featured song is, uh, you know what? I'm not 100% sure which one it is. It's either going to be All Kinds of Right, the Highway 28 song, or it's going to be Polymath. And you can see the difference in the two bands in these two songs. Uh, You have to stay tuned for the the next few seconds to find out which one it is. And then what I'm going to do is then talk about those featured songs as I usually do near the end of the episode. So uh, back in whatever that doorknob Chuck Woolery used to say, two and two, but it's more like four. See ya. What's a polymath to do? What's a polymath? 
pretend your eyes got stuck closed You think you're the only one who knows You stuck to the things that drag you down Good luck ever having someone around You blinked and your eyes got stuck closed You think you're the only one who knows You stuck to the things that drag you down Good luck ever having someone around Hey, so I was going to do the usual and just list all of the links that I'd love for you to check out, but I realized that everything you need to know and everywhere you need to go is at nickdematio.com. That really is the hub. I list all the links in every episode just in case, but nickdematio.com is where I put everything that I do. If you want to know more about this podcast, whether it's the audio version or the YouTube version at youtube.com slash app music is not a genre or wherever else the podcast shows up, or if you want to support the podcast at patreon.com slash music is not a genre, just go to nickdematio.com. It's all there. If you want to check out my full discography of original music and covers, for my band Rec, R-E-C, and beyond, it's at nickdematio.com, including all the streaming and social links for wherever you listen to music and wherever you check out your sosh. Uh, my acting clips are there. My voiceover clips are there. Graphic design, my blog, and most especially, it's the best place to contact me. If you go to nickdematio.com slash contact or just hit the contact is on every single page, you can send me a note, say hello, ask me any questions you'd like. You get a newsletter a few times a month. And if you have a project of your own and need work done for it, whether it's audio editing or music or voiceover or graphic design, or if you have an event and you need live music, go to nickdomadio.com, contact me, say hello, let me know what you need. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Hello, we are back after that ad, but how'd you like the song? Neat, huh? I don't remember. I don't know which one it was. Like I said, I haven't decided yet, but I'll make a quick mention. And then again, like I said, I'll explain them more later on. If it was polymath, that's my Depeche Mode homage. Not that I meant it that way, but you could see the influence or hear it. If it was all kinds of right, the Highway 28 song, that's that's in the New Order direction. I believe you can hear the influence in that too. And uh, I'll get into more detail that later on. Right now, let's get back to the discography starting in 1990. With a hugely influential and important album, Depeche Mode's Violator, which is really, despite all of their 80s success and their two phases or whatever you want to call it, eh? 1981's Just Can't Get Enough and the darker stuff after it and the political stuff, 1990's Violator is what established them as megastars uh, forever, along with Songs of Faith and Devotion. But those two just double whammies as fricking was like, oh, Depeche Mode has up the game and will not quit in the way you two did with Joshua Tree or Octung Baby and stuff like that in a similar era. Uh, it, this is a very extremely amazingly solid album. It's less 1980s. It's more downbeat. It, it's really looking forward in ways that other albums of 1990 were not 
looking forward. Some of the songs I really like, Sweetest Perfection, Personal Jesus, Enjoy the Silence, which we do live. Our drummer sings it. I do the keyboards and the uh, high harmonies. And Policy of Truth, I always freaking liked. I always love that little keyboard uh, slide, the port, the portamento where it goes, da-na-na-na-na-na-na. Uh, just little things like that always made an impact on me, and I, it's probably Andy Fletcher, you know. So that brings me to a uh, boy they, you know, when, when a, when a band has a successful album, that's more successful than they expected or whatever. And their touring goes well, it tends to delay the release of the next album because they're working on, you know, stuff for that album and the touring and all that stuff and the promo. So three years would pass before any of these bands released anything. And uh, that was 1993, March of 93, Songs of Faith and Devotion, which is where I really came back to Depeche Mode in a bigger way than I even uh, was into them in the 80s. Uh, I didn't expect them to hit that big in 93, considering everything else that was going on in the music world, and it absolutely kills. It's not here on this diorama because I have it on cassette, and I didn't go into my cassette bag, which I guess I should have. I also didn't go into my vinyl uh, collection, which I should have for New Order, but whatever. You can imagine pictures of them. And so I have Songs of Faith and Devotion on cassette. And I devoured this album, devoured it. Hugely influential to me. You can absolutely hear the influence in that song, Polymath, which I guess would be the song. I I don't know. I still don't know which one I'm doing first or second. Uh, You know already because I've already edited all this. Uh, More Really, I think this album, more than any other album from either band on this list, is the one that was the most influential to me. It's darker, which if you didn't think that was possible, it is. It was harder. It's it's probably my favorite all-time Depeche Mode album and absolutely, certainly top three. It's also the end of their classic era, the end of their first run. Songs I love from this, I Feel You, Walking in My Shoes, Condemnation, Mercy in You, In Your Room, Get Right With Me in One Caress, although the whole album is great. A couple months later, May 93, New Order would release Republic, which I do have back here. You can see it, that kind of... Um, dichotomized cover uh what a great year for 1980s techno bands coming back (laughs) 93 was um republic was was an album again i did not expect new order to be relevant or you know make anything significant after the 80s and they proved me and everyone else wrong uh the song regret i think still might it actually might be my favorite new order song and that's probably very controversial considering what they released in the 80s but for me for whatever reason when i hear regret that's the song that makes me tingle uh world is another great song spooky young offender and liar super strong album uh and i would say definitely top five for me four maybe top four for new order and then a few years more would pass And uh, by the way, quick note, they went on hiatus after that for whatever reason uh, and wouldn't release another album for several years, whereas uh, Depeche Mode would release an album four years after Songs of the Faith and Devotion. It's called Ultra. It was their first album uh, as a trio since 1982. 
uh, drug problems that Dave Gain are well known. I don't really dwell on things like that. I'm, I'm thankful that he's doing well now and, and that he's continued to make great music and all of that stuff. Uh, I like the sounds they were incorporating on Ultra. They were trying to go in, a, in an even a less like um, reverby direction and a little darker direction again. But I felt like the energy was a little low on this album. Uh, it reminds me a lot of their new album, actually, in terms of that of that level of energy and even the certain sounds they were using. But the songs I do like from this Barrel of a Gun, The Love Thieves, It's No Good, uh, and Jazz Thieves is fun. I just kind of like that. Um, which brings me to New Orders. No, sorry, not New Orders. Uh, Depeche Mode's next album, which was another four years after that in May 2001, Exciter which I have right here, that weird flower. Uh, I, I read the name and forgot it. You can look it up. I remember liking this a lot better than Ultra. I remember being very encouraged and thinking, oh, Ultra was like an echo of songs of faith and devotion that was almost like a B-sides compilation, even though it wasn't. Whereas Exciter had more energy and was adding new things and going in new directions. It was softer, so they didn't keep trying to double down on the hardness, which might have put them in a rut. Uh, but uh, their soft sounds and the way they produced the album was very, very clever and, and, and interesting. Uh, it's probably a top three Depeche Mode album for me, Exciter. Definitely top five, at the very least. Songs I like from their Dream On, Shine, The Dead of Night, Comatose, and I Feel Loved. If you're looking back, next to Republic is the album with one famous photo by a famous photographer, I believe, August 2001, same year as Exciter. So again, this double whammy of these two bands creating strong albums in the same year that were in ways comebacks for them. The album Get Ready from New Order. This is 100% a top three New Order album for me. Uh, I remember when it was released, I was... I like it even better than Republican. I was just, I was like, wow, they still have it. And it, it was very encouraging. Tons of renewed energy. Better production, I think, than Republic, uh, even. It's it's a, it's a more of a nice, healthy mix of electro and post-punk and new elements of things that were going on in the late 90s and early 2000s. I think this is the album where Bernard's Sumner singing started to actually get strong. Um, in a way where I, and I don't know what the difference is. He was pretty strong on Republic, but this is where I was like, oh, he's just easing into the voice he has and he's, and he's working it really well and it meshes best with the music. And, and it's great that Jillian Gilbert is more present vocally. I think, I believe it's the opening track. Crystal is one of their best songs ever, ever regret and blue Monday and bizarre love triangle and two faith and all that. I think Crystal's one of their best and ranks right up there. I know it's not as impactful because by then this kind of music had been around for a while, but objectively, I think that's true. Uh, I also love uh, 60 Miles an Hour, Turn My Way. Uh, Primitive Notion is freaking excellent. Slow Jam is also awesome. Rock the Shack is fun. And uh, Someone Like You, I also like that. So then... And uh, one of the last C days I have here is uh, New Order again in March 2005, Waiting for the Sirens Call. You can see it over there. Uh, it's I don't necessarily think it's as strong as Get Ready. Other critics might disagree, but I still think it's super strong and still in the same vein. And some of the songs I and, and it made me feel like, oh, if they keep this going, they, they have a good like latter-day career. Some of the songs I like, uh, Who's Joe?, 
Hey, now what you doing crafty and morning, night and day. Uh, those are my favorites from that album in the same year in August, 2005. They released Depeche Mode is the they playing the angel. And it's the first time where you have significant writing contributions from Dave Gamer. It's a, it's an incredibly incredibly. It's an incredibly strong album and like New Order in the 2000s, Depeche Mode was strong in the 2000s. That 01 and 05 double whammy of albums for both of them I think were very strong. I think that Playing the Angels even more energetic than Exciter, which was more energetic than Ultra. And some of the songs I like from that are A Pain That I'm Used To, John the Revelator, Great Energy, Suffer Well, Precious, Nothing's Impossible, and Lillian. Uh, Excellent. Sounds of the Universe. So is that this one? Yeah. So for whatever reason, why I didn't get playing the angel, who knows, right? Sounds of the Universe is the last uh, CD I bought from either of these bands because, like I say, I stopped buying CDs in 2011. This was 2009. I didn't enjoy this as much as I enjoyed Exciter and playing the angel, but I liked how they were still stretching and still trying to find new things, and it still had good energy. Some of the songs I like are Hole to Feed, Fragile Tension, Little Soul, and In, uh, In Sympathy, and Jezebel. Uh, I am... Not going to count, but I will mention Lost Sirens from New Order in 2013, because if you think of Waiting for the Sirens Call in 05 in 2013, this was music that they had created in the 2000s that was not released. That's why it's called Lost Sirens. And then they release it. So good that they were putting stuff out. That's fine. But this was yet after 05. It was yet another hiatus. And they lost, you know, Peter Hook and, and all of that. And uh, I believe Jillian Gilbert left for a while too. So, uh, you know, okay, I would rather have heard new music from them. I actually didn't listen to this one. Maybe I should, and maybe I would be impressed. I don't know. Delta Machine, the same year, March 2013, was the New Order release. And my, my response to this was, eh, you know. I remember listening to it on streaming and being like, well, I'm glad I didn't spend 17 bucks for that or whatever CDs were at the time. To me, it felt like a typical kind of Elder Statesman release where it's that, that I thought 09's album of theirs began that slip into more contemplative production. Oh, we're older now and we're thinking more and we're content, you know, whatever, introspective. Uh, and this is right in the middle of that, this Delta machine and just... They have had so much energy, dark in particular, and strong energy throughout their years that it's disappointing when you don't hear more of that on their releases. So it's not one of my favorites, but I do like My Little Universe, Broken, uh, Soft Touch, Raw Nerve, and Soothe My Soul. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, 
you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Uh, which brings me to uh, New Order's final or most recent proper album from 2015 called Music Complete. Uh, again, uh, I liked it. I didn't think it was as strong as the stuff they did in the 2000s, uh, but not bad. Uh, it's to me though, it's, it's almost exclusively electro. There's not a lot of post-punk on there. So it's not as, it's the same as like with Glitterbug with the Wombats where it's great stuff on there, but it's not as interesting to me as the mix of stuff, but things I do like from it, singularity, people on the high line, nothing but a fool, uh, is probably my favorite from this album. Listen to Nothing But A Fool if you want to know what Music Complete is about and unlearn this hatred. And they followed that up the following year in 2016 with an album called Complete Music, which was remixes and different versions of songs from Music Complete. Did not listen to it. In 2017, so same clip, you know, you you have to respect Depeche Mode for being consistent. They've certainly been the more consistent band of the two. And so in 2017, they released an album called Spirit. The first thing I read about this was critics complaining that they got into politics on this. And here's the thing. Were you not paying attention in the 1980s when they got into politics? Like, I don't understand. Is it because politics is just so divisive now and was certainly in 2017 that you're like, stay out of the fray? Because screw you. People can sing about what they want, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, but also, what's what's the difference? You know, like they've done it before and they decided to do it again. And it's cool that they went to some different place than um, talking about, you know, all the tough interpersonal issues and love and things like that, which are which is fine, too. But it's nice to mix it up. But this album was more of that slide into kind of slowness, uh, elder statesman feel. I, I, I don't fully understand because I know where they came from and the things they've done and I just couldn't can't figure out why even on this last album which I think is an incredibly strong album and better than the previous two why they can't you know like there are plenty of other older bands like even freaking Rolling Stones new album where their energy is way the hell up to the sky so I don't know that said from Depeche Mode Spirit I like the song Scum You Move So Much Love Poor Man and Fail now even though New Order did not release any new music Album-wise, after 2015's Music Complete, they did release a single in 2020 called Be a Rebel, which uh, great to have new music from them. Absolutely great. I wouldn't rank it as one of my all-time favorite, you know, New Order songs, but it's nice that it's kind of moving forward in a retro way, if that makes any sense. They're hearkening back to sounds from the 1980s, but in that typical 2020s way. So it's good, you know, good song. And I hope that some, you know, clubs use it in their mixes because it's certainly worthy. And it's the last new thing we've heard from New Order. I haven't even heard whispers of them uh, recording or releasing any new music. So I have no idea. But it would, what would be really cool is if they figured stuff out with Peter Hook and he came back because I think that made a big difference in their energy. Then, finally, Memento Mori, 2023, Depeche Mode, has been written up quite a bit because Andy Fletcher died, and this is a response to that in many ways. Uh, there, there was a shoot, when I, when I 
reviewed this for one of the podcasts. I talked about this writing collaborator, forget the name now from the band whose name I also forget, but that's significant and look it up and you tell me what I forget. But this is them diving full on into that kind of low beat, downbeat, you know, music that they've been doing in the previous two to three albums, but they embrace it fully and allow some of that darkness to creep in. This is them being more comfortable with their, whatever you want to call it, elder statesmanness, which is not a necessary thing, but it's where a lot of artists go. I think the production is more interesting and is great. I love the songs, Ghosts Again, Don't Say You Love Me, Soul With Me, Caroline's Monkey's surprising song and does have some energy to it. People Are Good and Always You. And uh, it's, a, it's a worthy album. It's a worthy album by, by Depeche Mode, who is now a duo. And I can only hope, and I'm glad they're touring for it or whatever they're doing, but I can only hope that this leads them to eventually more music as I hope that New Order decides to release new music at a certain point because you, you like the bands who have been around for a while. You count on to keep doing what they do. So some conclusions. This is the why uh, another reason why I put them together in one uh, episode, and that is it's confusing and complicated as to what I like better about each band. I actually like New Order's overall sound better. The way they use electronics, I like their sound better than Depeche Mode. But I think Depeche Mode's arrangements, structurally and whatever, and songs are overall stronger than New Order's, and I like the songs better. I enjoy both of their singing. Neither one is my top-tier taste for a male vocalist, but Dave Gahan is just hands down a better singer and a more versatile singer, and that's just the way it is. Bernard Sumner, I love you, and your voice is iconic, and it is what it is, and you're doing great things with it, but that voice may rank as the weakest lead singer voice for a mega, mega successful band. And yet who cares, right? It serves its purpose. Uh, but you tell me if I'm maybe you like, and I like it when it works and it works often. And you may like it too. Uh, I think new order has been a little bit more seminal in terms of their in, of influence on electronic music. A lot of what we hear, especially in the States, I'll say is much more new order than it is Depeche mode. Uh, whereas Depeche Mode, I think, has influenced a lot more kind of individuals, let's say. Like even some of Lil Nas X's stuff, to me, leans much more in a Depeche Mode direction, the newer stuff. And um, what's his name, Sam Smith? Much more Depeche Mode than New Order. So I feel like production-wise and band-wise and trend-wise, New Order takes the day. But when it comes to auteurs and things like that, New Depeche Mode takes the day. Uh, and like I said, started from different places, but but crossed over. New Order started darker and went lighter. Depeche Mode started lighter and went darker. New Order started more organic and went electronic. Depeche Mode started more electronic and went more organic. But both have had healthy mixes of both. Both have had peaks and valleys. Often, somehow, for some reason, as I have illustrated with the discography at the same time in the same years, like 1993 and 2001 and 2005, like 1983 and 1986. Who knows why? Part of it's zeitgeist, but I think part of it was just coincidence. And overall, I lean more towards Depeche Mode. Uh, I think they're closer to my heart in the way they craft things and lyrically and all that stuff than New Order. Although, like I said, 
I've incorporated elements of both of them in my music, in Rex music, which brings me to the featured songs. And like I said, I don't know which order, but I'm going to start with this one because I'm leaning towards this one being first because it's a nice middle song. Polymath from Rex 2020 album, Syzygy for the Weird, also from Rec Collection, the best of Rec 2007 to 2020. This is Depeche Mode, late 80s, early 90s, dark wave. That's what all of Syzygy for the Weird is, and there are some covers on there. Look it up. But Polymath is the epitome of that, I think, including the lyrics in the way the lyrics weave out. My delivery is nothing like Dave Gann's, but you can hear a lot of the similarities. Uh, the hip hoppy kind of section in the middle, that's all me. That's all Rec. That's, that has nothing to do with either band, but that's, you know, like I said with the Wombats, Rec is not Depeche Mode and vice versa, but you can hear the influence. The song that's coming up is called All Kinds of Right to Highway 28 song. I've done two versions of this song, and one was more of um, an electro rock song, you know, version. This one is more of is the original version. It's more the techno version or house version. It's from Synergy, uh, Synergy for the Weird. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, yeah, Synergy for the Weird from 2020, Rex album. And you can hear the new order you can hear in especially in the sonic palette of all kinds of right and the brightness of the the you know lyrics and the general tone and feel it's very very new order uh but you can hear a mix you can hear a little bit of pinches of stuff from depeche mode in there especially in the bridge but yeah uh, between the two if I'm tell me if I'm wrong, but I guarantee you, you listen to this song, which is upcoming in a, in a minute or two, you will hear New Order all over well more than you heard Depeche Mode uh, midway through the uh, episode on Polymath. So questions for you at the end here. Are you a fan of Depeche Mode or New Order? Uh, and if so, do you prefer one? Do you like them equally? Uh, why? I want to know why. Do you remember when you could only be a fan of one of them? when it was you had to pick and do you know now that there are still people who debate that pretty vehemently can you hear their influence on music of the last 20 years and 30 years even and if so where do you hear the influence and uh, which one do you think was more influential i want to hear all of the answers to these questions because as always my objectives here are music conversation and connection thank you and i will talk to you next week don't forget the bonus episode patreon.com slash music is not a genre all about vince clark we took turns driving all night long our favorite songs on loop from bluetooth on our phone we had the windows all rolled down and all around the sound and the air were humming we've both been out this way
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.